Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss in Sixerland. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. Of course, we always appreciate a five-star review if you want to give us one. And you can also check out libertyballers.com as we're now less than two weeks away from the kickoff of the regular season. Joining me, one of the people behind the magic at libertyballers.com, Paul Hudrick. Paul, what is going on, my man? I'm just over here living the dream, Jazz. You know me. Uh, fun game last night, though. It was fun to be back in the building, and it was like the closest we've encountered to normal since uh, since everything. Um, we were, you know, they had us kind of in the club box seats last year for for most of the season, and in the playoffs, uh, we were allowed to sit courtside last night, um, which is crazy. Like we literally haven't been allowed since you know February 11th or whatever. That was the last time we were able to do that. So. It was as close of a return to normalcy as we've experienced. And yeah, it was just, it felt good. It felt good to just be back in the building, uh, feel that energy. And, and you know, it, it was just, just a, just a very exciting feeling that got me more excited for the season, quite frankly. Well, yeah. What was it like being back in the building and, and kind of getting to be up close and personal in terms of seeing the players and, and how things were on the court. Like if you're, if you're picking this up, like do the Sixers have a lot of energy? How do you think their chemistry looks? What, what was that like for you, you know, being in the building and, and getting to see that, uh, uh, like I said, up close and personal. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Like the little things that you pick up on when you're there that you maybe don't pick up on when you're either, you know, sitting, sitting far away or watching on TV. And like one of the things it, it's like a little thing, but it really stood out to me. There was a play where Isaiah Joe, um, hit like a transition three, a pull-up transition three. And it just looked so smooth in person. And I was like, man, like this guy shot just, it just, and like, I I've always, you know, you could, again, you can see it on TV. Clearly the guy can shoot the hell out of the ball, but when you see it in person and it's like this pull-up and it's also smooth and also connected. And it's the way, like you just miss those little things and like watching guys warm up, which is so dumb. In, in, in like the retrospective things, but like <laughs> seeing like all these guys, like the routines, like um, I, like back in the day, like watching JJ Redick warm up was like, was like an event. Cause it was just so interesting to watch his routine and what he does. And like, it's similar with Seth Curry now. Like he just takes so many shots from so many different angles and, and, and so many different circumstances um, to prepare himself for the games and watching him bead warm up. Um, you know, guys that we like a guy like Drummond who we haven't seen, like his routine or what he does. It's just, there's little tiny things that you kind of don't, you, you, I guess you would say we take them all for granted. Um, and then when you get to experience them again, it kind of all floods back to you and you, you feel like, I, I don't know, like it, like it feels just like more, a more complete experience covering a game. Yeah. I mean, we noticed that too, just being back in the, in the building, like I was there with you for, for media day and camp. And, you know, like you mentioned being back actually at Wells Fargo, like, 
when you were first walking back in, because you used to work for NBC, for people who don't know that, but when you're walking back into the building, what was your first thought like when you're going back and you're like, holy smokes, I haven't done this in a long time? Or like, were you kind of excited to be walking back in? It was a mix of both for sure. Like, so I'll say this too, like legit. So media day. And then one day when we were, when I, we were at the practice facility during training camp, it was like borderline disorienting because we haven't experienced this. We haven't been able to. So it was almost like a dream. Like it didn't feel real um, because it's just been so long since we experienced all these things and we, we have experienced them in the past. So you know what I mean? It's just like this weird, almost out of body kind of thing. And it definitely, it, it, everything felt that way yesterday. You know, you walk into the building um, and it feels different. And then the, the biggest, the two biggest things were uh, the press area. Cause like last year, even though we were allowed in the building, it was 100% zooms this year it's in person. So we actually got to go into the, into the press box room or the press conference room, mm-hmm. talk to doc rivers. And even he commented on, it. he's like, wow. He's like, this is nice. Like, this is, this is so different, you know, than talking to, a, a computer monitor and, and have answer questions like that. <laughs> and it, it, and it is, it's just, there is a human element. Um, and listen, I, it, everything, I, I think the NBA has been, you know, very smart with the regulations and the, and the safety protocols. I agree with all of it. Um, but at the same time, it has been, it's so much more of a human experience when you're face to face with someone, even if you are whatever, wearing a mask and six feet apart, it's still a, a way more humanizing experience. It feels like you can ask questions in a better way. It feels like you get better answers. You you do feel like an energy between two human beings, which you don't get over a computer screen. So yeah, just uh, uh, that was crazy. And then again, just just being able to stand like courtside and watch these guys, watch you know the the best athletes in the world kind of work to get ready for games, and then to watch the game itself. It's it, it 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 was like it, it's it it's already such a like a like we're truly lucky to have that experience anyway. And again, I I just I can't help but feel like we all kind of just took it for granted not having it. And now that it's back, it's just it's such a warm and, and good feeling. Paul, being in the in the building and you know covering practices pretty much all whenever they are uh, holding one in in Camden. What have you picked up on over the last week or so? Like if you're looking at this and, you know, I, Isaiah Joe is, is a guy I talked about on, on the on the recap pod I did after after the Sixers 12 point win over the Raptors in their second preseason game. But uh, Isaiah Joe, you know, 15 points uh, shot three or four from from beyond the arc, you know, looking really good on the defensive end in terms of being active, you know, getting in the passing lane and 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 showing a lot of energy. Uh, what have you picked up on when, when you've been at practice? And, and again, for, for those who don't know, the teams don't let you watch, you know, two hours of practice. You basically get in for, for 10, 15 minutes and you'll get uh, some some time with with Doc, obviously, usually for sure. And then um, some of the players. But when you're in there and again, given the limited amount of time you're allowed allowed to be watching the end of practice and, and being in the building. Is there anything that's standing out to you in terms of the, the players that, hey, you know what, this guy's should be making a case to to, to get some time in the rotation this season? I will say that I think, because you're right, we we don't we get to watch like nothing in practice, basically, right? Like we don't get to actually watch anything of it's basically of for substance. B-roll, right? Yeah, for the right, team. like yeah. like 100. That's that's <laughs> really all it is. Um, and so we had to go off of basically what Doc Rivers and the players tell us. I will say that a lot of what Doc Rivers has been talking about during practice, um, you saw a lot of it come to fruition um, against the Raptors in the second game. Uh, whether that is Isaiah Joe, who Doc said, I, you know, I need to, we need to find a way 
to get this guy, you know, in, in the mix more, which a lot of people, when I tweeted that, cause Twitter is awful and you don't really get to add context too much, but like his, when doc said that clearly he's the head coach, he gets to make that decision. But I think what he was more saying is we have to find a way while not messing up, you know, what we have in our starters, what we have in our second unit. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's an unfortunate circumstance that Matisse Thibel, um, you know, has a shoulder soreness going to be reevaluated in a week and hopefully he's able to start the regular season. But with that, that it opened up an opportunity for Isaiah Joe and he just continued to look like a guy that, yeah, I mean, he, he seems like he's going to, like, he should get some rotation minutes. I mean, he's coming for him because as you mentioned, he, he should, I think he was four of eight in the first game, three of four last night. And just the confidence and the variety of threes he hits off the dribble in transition, hitting kind of like, you know, 30 footers um, uh, off a ball screen, off movement. Um, he hit, he did one nice shot. Wasn't a three, but he attacked the closeout, you know, uh, took a couple dribbles in, hit like a 15 footer. That was real smooth. Made it made He's made a couple nice backdoor cuts, like all these little things offensively that lean towards him, you know, really evolving as an NBA player. And then defensively, like you said, uh, I was really, I, I was really impressed last season with his uh, on ball defense and how good he is at getting like beating guys to spots and anticipating, you know, the offensive players next move. Just it's something innate that he has. It, it's a really, you know, really good defensive instincts. I think, through two games, through two preseason games, he's looked better off the ball. It looks like his, um, perhaps, I don't know, maybe he's not, he's more comfortable. So he feels like he maybe, you know, and he did do well uh, defensively. So he can maybe take an extra chance or two, but he had two steals and a block last night. Like he just, to me, has the makings of a guy that is a rotational NBA player, Uh, whether that's happens to start the season, whether that happens in the middle of the season or whether that happens next year. Um, this guy's got NBA rotation player written all over him. He is quintessential three and D uh, and that's every team needs that. Every team is looking for that. And he, he won hundred percent fits that mold. What doc made the joke about last night is right. He weighs a buck 20. I mean, he weighs a little <laughs> bit more than a buck 20, but he's skinny. Um, and you see that when you, when, like, you know, when we see him in person, he is, he's a skinny kid, but he fights. Uh, he's physical. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't let that aspect get him down. He fights through screens really, really well for a smaller guy. Like it's it, it there is an impressive NBA skill set there. Um, I'm not sure now whose minutes does he take? That's the more complicated question. But um, sometimes like, you know, with with the thigh ball injury, sometimes these things work themselves out. You get a guy in the mix like that. Um, but, you know, to me, you have to find a way to get him in. because I think he's been that good. And then just to put a kind of bow on like what, what you asked about, the other thing is Doc has raved about the second unit throughout training mm-hmm. camp. Um, the first game, we really didn't get a good look at that because Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris were out. So, you know, so the second unit wasn't truly the second unit. But last night, those guys, those guys look great. Uh, they really like, I don't, I think we're all kind of us underestimating how big of an upgrade George Niang mm-hmm. and Andre Drummond are going to be over Mike Scott and Dwight Howard with all due respect to those guys. Um, George Niang shoots the hell out of the basketball. I mean, he's an over 40% guy for his career and you see it. It's so smooth. It's quick. He he's, he's long so we can get it. you know, the shot up over people. Um, and then he's just got really good instincts. Like he, I know again, another thing that people freaked out about when I tweeted about it, but like his, his ability as a playmaker, that's not saying he's going to break people down off the dribble or run the point, but there was a play last night where he gets double teamed in the corner. He finds Andre Drummond for an easy layup 
Um, another play where he kind of got, he drew some attention, kind of threw a lob to Andre Drummond and Drummond placed it in. Just those little plays that quite frankly, with again, with all due respect to Mike Scott, he could, he can't make. And then same with Andre Drummond. I mean, there's been multiple passes where I've watched Andre Drummond make a read and make a pass, whether it resulted in a basket or not, whatever, but it was a great read. Yeah. And it's again, Dwight Howard would never make that play with all due respect to Dwight. So I just think those two guys are going to be such, such big upgrades. And then you talk about Maxi getting, whether it's Maxi, whether it's Jake Milton, you know, those guys, um, I just wrote something on, on Liberty Ballers today about those two, but whoever is the guy in the starting a second unit uh, should, you know, really benefit from playing with both of those guys. And then when Matisse Thibault gets back into the mix, I mean, that's, that's a really strong second unit. I think the Sixers are trotting out there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Cause I mean, I, I've seen that. I love what I saw from, from George Niang as well. I mean, in terms of he was diving for loose balls, he's, you know, he's, he's showing that he wants to not just be a part of the rotation, but be a meaningful part of the rotation. You know what I mean? And, and showing that he brings his skill set, like you mentioned with Scott, that they just, they didn't have last season. And I love what I've seen from him. And I, I, I noticed that too. So they're setting a lot of high screens using Drummond and, and Joel, uh, you know, in the game against the Raptors, a lot of it was with, with Toby Harris at the top, but uh, you know, using Drummond as a passer, and I've seen him make a couple of uh, real nice reads and a couple of nice looks um, over the last couple of preseason games. And we, you know, when we were at practice um, last week for basically training camp and getting to see what, what he's bringing to the table there. I'm excited for that. Uh, before we jump into a break, I do want to ask you this though. Do you agree with doc going with shake Milton over Tyrese Maxey as a starter? I, I, I think I agree with the logic in the sense of Maxey can be the primary guy coming off the bench um, and, and kind of carry the second unit. If things are struggling in terms of shooting that he's able to get to the hole and kind of set the table, but uh, not impressed with what I've seen from Shake Mill. Not in terms of like he had a good run in the second quarter against the Raptors yesterday, but that start and even in the third quarter, I didn't like what I saw from him. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I am kind of with you where I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do see the logic behind it, and I think it, I think it can benefit both guys. Uh, as Doc talked about last night, you know, you put shake in the starting lineup and the offense, he's like, the offense isn't running through him. It's running through Joel Embiid and, and Tobias Harris. And then, and then the third option is Seth Curry. And then really the fourth option is like Danny green. So shake being kind the of the fifth, you, right, Paul <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. shake kind of being the fifth option there. Like uh, it, it, I think that can help shake an awful lot. And I think it can, uh, bring out some of the elements that he, you know, some of the things he does well, you know, he is a good shooter. Um, you know, last year he was kind of up and down, but I know off catch and shoot last year, he was still really good. And for throughout his career, both collegiately in the G league and in the NBA, he has been a really good shooter, especially catch and shoot, but also even off the dribble. Uh, what uh, you alluded to the second quarter. And I think the biggest difference for him in that second quarter was he pushed the pace and I think that's where he gets into trouble is when he gets tentative. He has to attack. Like he has to attack every time he gets the ball and he has to make quick decisions. Um, if he starts over dribbling, that's when he gets himself into trouble. There was the one play um, he made where it was, it was late in the second quarter. He brings the ball, uh, you know, they get a defensive stop. He, he pushes the pace up the floor on the left side, uh, drives past his defender. And then instead of, Forcing something, you know, a shot at the rim, which he has done far too often, uh, in my opinion, 
He throws a beautiful offhand skip pass to Seth Curry, finds Seth Curry for a wide open three. Yeah. So I think those are the little things where Shake is improving and where I think he's getting better. Um, I do tend to agree with you, though, that like if you're just looking at it, like who's the better basketball player who has more potential? No one's going to like no one would argue it's Tyrese Maxey. Like it's it's quite frankly to me, it's not even close. But I also think there's something to Maxey being on the second unit and basically being the guy. It's his show. He gets to run it. He doesn't have to worry about getting Joel Embiid or Tobias Harris touches or or making sure Seth Curry gets his shots. Um, he can just play. Uh, Doc Rivers seemed to indicate to us he didn't think it was a result of that. He thought it was just Tyrese played better. So we'll see. It it, it seems like we're going to get a look at both guys again, possibly starting um, in, in the last two preseason, game, preseason games. We also have the blue and white scrimmage in Delaware on Saturday. We'll see what that kind of uh, yields, but I, I see the benefit for both guys. I kind of get it, but um, uh, you know, clearly Tyrese Maxey is the better player. And I think if you can start him, I think that's the better move. Yeah. I, I I'm with you there too, but I mean, we did see some of the deficiencies that they could have without a traditional point guard. And, and, you know, that was one thing I picked up on just watching those two games against the Raptors, obviously game one, without your two best players wasn't wasn't very pretty after the first quarter uh but this one the second one that they played there's lulls in the offense where they need somebody who's going to be able to create and get to the hole i feel like they have that with maxi but when he's not on the court like you mentioned it's going to have to be some sort of ball sharing uh system that it's not really dependent on one guy being able to get penetration uh paul want to ask you about uh shams latest report on ben simmons a little bit a whole lot of nothing but <laughs> we'll jump into that after a short break. All right, we're back. Uh, Paul wanted to talk about the report that Shams put out uh, early Friday morning. It was this big thing, you know, on Twitter, it looks like latest on Ben Simmons and the 76ers, and they got some weird sounder playing underneath what makes it sound, you know, <laughs> it's like from like the 1980s or, you know what I mean? Some weird news channel. But um, Shams basically reporting that the Sixers still want Ben to come back and and to see what Ben can do in terms of, uh, you know, rejoining the organization and possibly playing for them. Uh, he's saying that Simmons has already emptied out his place. Uh, the plan is that he's already moved on. What do you make anything out of this? And is this something that we're looking at that again, is just a whole lot of nothing and, and posturing between the two parties. Yeah. I mean, that's what I see it as, uh, especially, you know, with all the respect, that's especially what I see from Ben's side. I mean, this, every time a report comes out of, Oh, you know, basically like inferring that Ben might crack um, and show up a, a report from Ben's camp comes out that, oh, no, he's, you know, he's put his house in Philly on the market. Oh, he's emptied his his place. Oh, he understands the ramifications of his holdout, all that stuff. So, I mean, to me, here's the way I look at it. Just like, honestly, like and again, this is with all due respect to people reporting on it and, and all that. But Ben Simmons doesn't want to be here. The Sixers demands are very high. And they would actually prefer for him to come back. What's changed? Um, like not like seriously, nothing has changed mm -hmm. for for really for like months. Um, this is kind of the way. Really, since I, if you want to go back, like since the like since the beginning of the summer, nothing has really changed. Like what I was told was, you know, and I think Daryl Moore even reiterated it at media day was they never wanted to trade Ben. Ben's camp went to Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, the Sixers brass, and said. We would like you to explore a trade. The Sixers said, okay, we'll explore it. There was nothing out there they liked. So they said, we're keeping them. 
I don't really like nothing's really changed. Yeah. Um, the price is exorbitant. Um, that's you know, I, I saw that you know, Sham said CJ McCollum and basically like like three first rounders and three pick swaps. Darren Mori knows that Neil Olshey isn't going to take that offer. Like that was just like that was basically to imply I'm not doing this. Like I'm not I'm not doing Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum because I don't I don't like that trade. Um, and we've seen that with other things, you know, that Warriors package where da- like it was all those young players and then four first round picks. That's not like Darren Moore didn't expect anyone to meet those prices. That's his way of saying, I'm no, like I'm not doing that. I don't want those players. I want players who can help me right now. I could possibly help me compete for a title there. There from what the people I've talked to, there has never been any appetite for that step trade for getting a bunch of picks and moving them at a later date. Um, the deal is they want, again, if Ben Simmons decided, you know what, let's put this all behind us. Let's move on. I'm going to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to play. They'd welcome him back and he'd play and Doc Rivers would treat him, you know, like, like, like one of his best players and the, and the Sixers would welcome them back into the locker room. I don't, I don't see any of the players on the Sixers really having any true animosity towards Ben Simmons. Um, nor do I expect Doc Rivers would have any animosity. Um, and, and then uh, on top of that, it, you know, the other thing is if they can't, if that can't happen, the Sixers are still, they're not going to trade him just to trade him. And then the other thing too, Jess, is like, there was a lot of whispers about Indiana. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was, um, Malcolm, I was asking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon and, and Karis LeVert. So here's what I'm told. Ba- basically in a nutshell, the Sixers didn't bring up Malcolm Brogdon or Karis LeVert. Um, okay. you know, that, that, that was, it's, it's a, to put it, and it's, it seems like this has been the case for every team the Sixers have negotiated with. It's one-sided teams are throwing out players and the Sixers are kind of like, yeah, no, like I, I'm not interested in those players. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't see an Indiana trade being something that the Sixers would entertain. I, I really don't think that they're interested in that. Cause it, think about it like this. If you put, Malcolm Brogdon, let's say, let's say they they trade you Malcolm Brogdon and Karis Lever. You get both guys out of it. How good does that put your ceiling? You're you're probably still a second round team, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're probably not beating the Brooklyn Nets. You're probably not beating the Milwaukee Bucks with those players. Um, and it's no disrespect to those guys. I think they're fine players, and I think to an extent I can understand why people would see them as fits, but I don't see them being anything beyond a second round team. If Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons shows up, you already know you can be a second round team with him. And if he does a little bit more, you have the potential to be even more than that. So, you know, why are you going to make that move? And especially too, like if you're it, it, like a team like the Pacers, they're a playing team right now. Like let, let's call it like we see it. Like they, they are likely a seven or eight, nine, 10 seed. Like they are not one of the top six teams in the conference. If they're offering you this today, why wouldn't they be offering it to you two months from now what, you know, or, or closer to the trade deadline? Like that offer is always going to be there. So why take it now when you can wait? You still hold the cards. Ben Simmons is under contract. So I think there is just a level of patience, maniacal patience that Daryl Morey has. Um, and I think it so far, it's it's been the right move. Could it blow up in his face eventually? Perhaps. But right now, um, I, I think it makes sense to wait. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I was reading this stuff all week about, okay, you know, Indiana's emerging as as a dark horse team and Indiana, you know, being mentioned uh, as as a place that, hey, they have the assets. And I was like, no, no disrespect, like you said, because I think Karis LeVert's a very good player. 
guy hasn't I love played Karis over, yeah. yeah, he has, hasn't played over in over 50 games since, you know, back in 2017, 2018. So you don't want to run into that issue again, Brogdon, a very nice piece. And I'm with you. Cause that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, is this really going to move the needle for, for the Sixers to become a, a championship contender? Is this, you know what I mean? Like, no. And, and it, it's easy to see. Does that give them some nice pieces to work with? And like you mentioned, you know, could they maybe take, Milwaukee or Brooklyn to seven games in in round two sure but it doesn't move the needle with the 27 year old MVP candidate on your roster and Joel Embiid and and I think Daryl Morey is handling this right you know I know there's one thing you did mention earlier we're talking about Ben I mean I don't think it would be I don't think the players would would care if Ben came back because at a certain point when you're when you're in the NBA these guys know this is just a business you know what I mean? And, and they're looked at as, as we're commodities and assets too. And so I don't think they would get upset with them being um, with Ben showing back up and, and it would be any awkwardness there. But, you know, we already know, how, I think, how the fans would take it. But what do you think the media circus would be like? Let's just say hypothetically hmm. Ben Simmons does come back in, in you know, December and he's like, well, I'm, I'm sick of missing out on these $360,000, you know, dollar roughly game checks. And I'm I'm tired of of just sitting around. I, I want to get back and play. Let's just say Simmons does come back. How do you think that would go over with the media? And how crazy do you think it would get? Not only at the at the games, but at practices as well. It would be insane. And I think, <laughs> but I, I I'll say this. I I think this is one instance where having a guy like like a Doc Rivers be your head coach would be would kind of come in handy because. He's dealt with plenty of circuses before. Um, it's it's not his first rodeo with this kind of thing. So I think if he showed up, Doc would basically say, you know, hey, like this is what we wanted all along. We always wanted Ben back. This is you know this is great. This is a good day for us. Uh, and I think a, a lot of like Joel Embiid even you know uh, there's been some stuff Joel has said where you know people I think and fairly have kind of seen it as like hey he's kind of taking a shot, but at the same time he's reiterated multiple times that they are a better team with Ben Simmons. He has said that. So I imagine that Joel Embiid would, would have that message on that day. Say, Hey, it's great that Ben's here. Cause I think we're a better team. The interesting thing is when it would come to Ben. Cause like, I, I have no idea what to expect from him. Um, is it a situation where he literally just comes out and says, I'm just here. So I don't get fined kind of thing. Yeah. Is it um, a bunch of generic answers about, um, you know, I just want to play. I'm just trying to help this team win. Does he, is he a little audacious and says, I and is more honest and says, I am just coming here because I don't want to miss out on any more money. And I want to, I, I want to get traded and this helps me get traded. Then I'm going to show up. Um, I don't know that that's in his personality to do that, but who knows? Um, so that, that would be the curious side of the media aspect to me. Like I, I think, Doc would handle it, it, it appropriately. I think like Joel Embiid and the players all down, I think they would definitely handle it appropriately. I think they would all be, I think they would all, not only do I think they'd be okay, Jess, I think they would be excited to have him back genuinely. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like how Ben would react, that would be the thing that would be the craziest. And we probably, it would be a circus. Like we'd have every single national reporter, everybody from every network at, at practice at, at, at games, just to just to kind of follow it. Cause, and it'll still, even if he shows up, it'll still be a daily saga, right? Because then it'll be, well, he didn't shoot this day and, or you know what I mean? Or him and Joel Embiid had a back and forth on the court, even though it might be nothing, like everything will be something if he shows up. Yeah. And that's, that's to me is, is where it becomes a story. 
right? Where, and again, it might not happen on the court between the players, but when you're naturally, and, and I don't think Ben's going to always, you know, once all of a sudden change his mind and be like, Hey, I'm cool. I'm, I'm back in Philly now. Let's just, you know, let's just go after this thing. No, if he comes back, <laughs> there's still going to be some, um, you know, contentious energy there. And, and, and the people aren't really, you know, it's, this is not going to smooth out that Ben's going to end up playing for the Sixers for the next three seasons, you know, and anybody who thinks that obviously is, is delusional at this point, but I think the sideshow that would come with it is something that would be ultimately, I think on the court would be great for the team in terms of a Ben returns and all defense type, you know, multiple time all-star now, um on the on the court with you but i just think what happens off the court it, the drama would just keep going and going and going and I, I just don't think it would uh it would be it would be detrimental for the for the organization uh in the long run paul we'll wrap things up there is there anything you're working on coming up soon that we should be keeping our eye out for at, at liberty ballers are you just doing a keep doing a bang up job as as basically our go-to reporter there yeah i appreciate it. no so uh today i just published something on the the you know doc rivers had some interesting comments about the point guard, quote unquote, competition. Uh, Joel Embiid and Danny Green said they don't think it's a competition. So that was interesting. Um, and just, Doc, you know, mentioning they might not have a set starting lineup. It might depend on matchups. It might depend on other factors. So um, that's on LibertyBallers.com right now. Uh, we have uh, Tom West wrote a great piece as well on Isaiah Joe and, you know, kind of making the case for him to earn more minutes. And then I will be in Delaware for the blue and white scrimmage, which uh, I, I'm Interested to see how that goes, what that looks like this year. I'm sure it'll be different from years past, but um, it was a very cool experience a couple of years back and uh, very much looking forward to going back tomorrow. And we're looking forward to, to reading all about it, Paul. Uh, that'll do it for, for this episode. As Paul mentioned, don't forget, check out libertyballers.com. Him and the, the entire crew, we got a great team of writers there. We'll have you covered uh, throughout the Sixer season. And of course, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. New shows coming at you five days a week. So we're hoping to grow that as we get, as you mentioned, into the regular season. That'll do it for this one. I'll talk to you all next time.